Good morning, church. My name is Giovanni, and I'm a leader here at The Brook, and we're coming to a close in our Dreaming in Color series where we reimagine what it looks like if God got a hold of our hearts, not just individually, but collectively, and we responded with a sense of obedience. Lord, here I am. Use me. Um, Today I'm going to be preaching on community life, and I think it's extremely timely with everything that we're experiencing, not only in the life of our church, but in the world. We can see the pandemic that's taking place and how it is, um, to some degree, attacked um, our abilities to be in relationship with each other, to experience community in a healthy way. Um, We've also seen how the injustice has affected community as well, has affected um, relationships. Uh, But we know that God has given us a time and has graced us with the opportunity to re-examine during this season what community looks like through the lens of the gospel. What was it that he came to establish from the beginning of time? Um, So what we want to do is reimagine, you know, what would community look like where if we both experience both pain and joy, a community where it's not based on ideals, but someone, a community that is not hinged by physical appearances, but transformed hearts, a community where we seek to give ourselves versus gaining for ourselves, a community where love is felt and fully expressed, not simply spoken of. And finally, a community where Christ is truly the head and not simply an addition. Before I enter into prayer, I want to take us through 1 Thessalonians 17 through 20, where we get to see Paul's heart for a people that he absolutely loves. It says, But since we were torn away from you, brothers, for a short time, in person, not in heart, we endeavored the more eagerly and with great desire to see you face to face. Because we wanted to come to you, I, Paul, again and again, but Satan hindered us. For what is our hope, our joy, or crown of boasting before the Lord at his coming? Is it not you? For you are our glory and our joy. Dear Only Father, I thank you for the heart that is displayed here by Paul. A heart that is not on its own, but a heart that is tied, tied and tethered to Christ, to the Father. Lord, this longing and desire to be reunited with His community, Father God, we ask that You would open our eyes to that beauty, that You would open our eyes to the joy that is tied to the relationships and the community that You have given us, Father God. Lord, even though I'm having to preach through the lens of a camera, Father God, and the presence of Your people aren't necessarily here, I ask, Lord, that You would allow me to look past that and preach with fervor, with passion, Lord, knowing the, the, the ears and the minds that this word falls upon, Father. So I ask that you would guide us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So what I would like to do is answer a few questions. Um, and the first question that I want to answer is, where do we begin with the building of this community? Or where do we begin as, as we reimagine what this community looks like through the lens of the gospel? And we're going to go through John 17, 9 through 13 for that. The next question that I want us to answer is, what is the personal responsibilities of leaders in community? What does that look like? And we're going to look at, look at Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. And then finally, our resting place is going to be in 1 Thessalonians 2, 6 through 12. And answering the question, what it looks like to cultivate this type of community among our body. John 17. So the most powerful, most elaborate, earnest prayer in God's word at the most pivotal hour known to man. I'm just going to read through the first five verses so we can get some context and be reminded of this this fervent prayer, this earnest prayer that Christ cried out. 
It says, when Jesus had spoken these words, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son so that the son may glorify you. Since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And this eternal life that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. And now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world even existed. We witnessed so much in, in, in John chapter 17, and you can spend plenty of mes messages just unpacking the vastness of what Christ is saying in, in this message. But I just want to highlight some things that stand out. So in this prayer, we witness the source of life, glory, and divine channels from which it all flows. We witness a perfect union between the Son and the Father before cre creation even existed. We witness God's heart's cry and His perfect intentions from the beginning of time to have His love fully expressed and known between the Father and child. We witness the eternal reunification and the longing to be fully present with His children. And we witness a holy blueprint of the gospel laid out in a single prayer. But what I really want us to focus in on, on, the, on this portion of scripture is John 17, 9 through 13. I am praying for them. I am not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. All mine are yours, and yours are mine. And I am glorified in them. And I am no longer in the world, but they are in the world. And I am coming to you. Holy Father, keep them in your name, which you have given me, that they may be one, even as we are one. While I was with them, I kept them in your name, which you have given me. I have guarded them, and not one of them had been lost except the son of destruction, that the scripture might be fulfilled. But now I am coming to you. And these things I speak into the world, that they may have joy fulfilled in themselves. John seventeen twenty, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may, be all, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I am in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. We're witnessing the most pivotal hour where Christ is about to give his life. Everything that he worked for, everything is leading up into this very moment. And in the body of this prayer, we see how there's this heavy emphasis, this focus, this sense of intentionality, where he's focusing his prayer on a group of individuals, a group of, of, of men. So he's banking his enti the entire weight of the gospel on 12 men in the expectance that the word will go out in the midst of the entire world. There's a book that was given to me a while ago, um, and there's a quote that I want to take out of that by Dr. Robert E. Coleman. And he said, Jesus did not come to wow a crowd, but to usher in a kingdom. And I think that we see that. We, we, didn't, we didn't get a sense where Christ came into this world and just adopted a ministry that was set up by John the Baptist. We see where he got very intimate and very personal and selected a, hand, a, a, a handful of people to build a relationship with. To personally demonstrate the unification that was experienced before they even existed between the Father and the Son. 
ushered in in the form of discipleship, we know that through Scripture that Jesus displayed a true form of show and tell. There is nothing more intimidating than to tell someone to give your life away for someone else or for a cause without first experiencing the overwhelming love personally. And I think that's what, that was the focus that Christ had. He could have came and simply died. He could have came and simply told people what to do. But he didn't take that route at all. He came and he lived intimately among those that were thirsty. He spent time with them. He cared for them. He made it personal. I wrote here that men become fearless when they have been filled with God's love. God's community cannot thrive apart from discipleship. I was watching a, a, a panel discussion um, that Crawford was a part. And one of the things that he said, he said, the preaching of the word is a massaging of the heart. And that just made me think a little bit. And I said to myself, if the preaching of the word is a massaging of the heart, then active discipleship is the system in which blood can flow throughout all parts of the body effectively. I want us to now take a look at Ephesians 4, verse 11 through 16, where we can see the, 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 the responsibility that's put on the leaders of the church and how the, 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 the gifts given by grace unpack this, this type of community or usher in this type of community. Scripture says at verse 11, it says, And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may, we may no longer be children, tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into Him who is the head into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. A question for the leaders, what else or for what other reason does God through grace gift us with these gifts? The gifts, the gifts of apostleship, the gift of prophets, the gift of evangelists, the gift of shepherding, and the gift of teaching. Is it not for the purpose of raising up someone else so they can take on that mantle and continue in the gospel? And you look at verse 16, it says, From whom the whole body joined together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Something that we have to ask ourselves as leaders and as a, as a collective body is, what is the evidence among the body, among the community that love is growing? Because it's saying that a manifestation of these parts working together, a manifestation of these leaders that are stepping in to collectively pour in to the individuals of the body, to lock arms, to disciple, to display the type of intimate love that transformed your heart in the first place and transfer that to others, is there an evidence of love growing? Is there an evidence of a deeper intimacy among the body? 
And now where I want to um, focus. 1 Thessalonians 2, 6 through 12, where Paul writes a love letter defending the integrity of his ministry. Paul writes, Nor did we seek glory from people, whether from you or from others, though we could have made demands as apostles of Christ. But we were gentle among you, like a nursing mother taking care of her own children. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves. Because you have, had, because you have become very dear to us. You remember, brothers, our labor, our toil. We worked night and day so that we might not be burdened to any of you while we proclaim to you the gospel of God. You are witnesses, and for you know how like a father with his children, we exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in the manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. Now, if we take a look and really focus on the imagery that's, that's painted here, it, it, it will cause you to question, where, where is this type of immense love and desire coming from? How is it that Paul could describe the way that he's cared for the people of Thessalonia as a mother cares for her newborn child? You, if you haven't you know, been a father, maybe, or a mother, the, the process of, of nursing a child is not a simple process. It requires toil, it requires labor, it requires consistency. My wife, she wakes up every two to three hours to provide breast milk for a child that without it would be in dire need. And that can be frightening for some people to take on that type of responsibility when it comes to locking arms with another brother or sister in Christ. Which is why a lot of times we choose community on our own terms. But what Paul is displaying here is something completely different. This is not something that Paul to himself is saying, this is something that I have to do. The way that Paul is describing the, his love for these individuals, it's more of this is something I get to do. And I think that's where we're missing out on the power of, 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 of connecting and locking arms with individuals. The power and the, and the focus and the intentionality of discipleship with a gospel culture. I wrote here, a community apart from discipleship is a community on our own terms. Because community on our own terms removes us of any sense of responsibility. Even in Ephesians chapter 4 that I read, I want to go back to it. It says, Until we attain the unity of faith, in verse 13, and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so we may no longer be children. We keep getting this reiteration of a responsibility to raise up children. Now, if you have children and you consider your child and the times that we've had an expectancy for our child to just act like adults, we're only left with frustration and a lot of times anger. But it's only because we're not taking the time to properly, effectively, and intimately raise our children up until they get to the point where they're mature men and women. And as leaders of the church, as members of the body, that is the responsibility that we're being called to. That requires time. 
It requires patience. It requires intimacy. We see that in John 17 that I read earlier. How intentional Jesus was for these few individuals. Understanding what would be necessary for them to effectively relay the message. But not just a message. But to effectively begin to care and love intimately in a way that makes Christ known. That makes the Father known to man. Which is why Paul said, it was not enough for me to simply preach the gospel. But I gave of myself. We have this tendency as well as leaders, and I'm, I'm speaking for myself, but we have a tendency as well for leaders, you know, that if I'm going to take time away for somebody else or for someone else because they're in need, then it's got to be on my terms. I can't drive all the way over there to meet you. But we're not seeing that here. We're not seeing that in Scripture. We're seeing that Paul did whatever was necessary, worked longer hours later in the day, so that they were not burdened. So that they did not have to go out of their way so that they could be served by Paul. It's hard to process when you think about it. This type of love. It's hard to, to uh, imagine this in any other com um, community apart from the gospel. It's what sets our community apart. First Thessalonians 17 through 20. It says, But since we were torn away from you, brothers, for a short time, in person, not in heart, we endeavored the more eagerly and with great desire to see you face to face, because we wanted to come to you, I, Paul, again and again, but Satan hindered us. For what is our hope or joy or crown of boasting before the Lord Jesus at his coming? Is it not you? For you are our glory and our joy. It is so clear here in this statement, and we also see it in John 17, the end of John 17, that our joy is rooted amongst ourselves in the relationship, in the relationship that we have, in the way that we lock arms with each other, because of the way that Christ first entered into relationship with us. This is a process and a system that is meant to continue, but continue with the same love, the same weight, the same earnestness. So when, joy, when Paul gets excited and is full of joy because of a child that has been reunified with his father, it is the joy that is being experienced through, through Paul from the father. And when we grasp that, we no longer see this as pure responsibility as leaders or as men and women that have been changed, that have had our hearts transformed. When you grasp that, it becomes a joy. It becomes something that you long for. We see this in this letter that Paul had to leave Thessalonica, but he could not bear and deal with the thought of being separated from them. So he sent Titus back to them to see how they were doing. Are we experiencing that same longing? Are we experiencing that same desire as a body, as members in Christ? When we feel the sense of separation that we're experiencing right now with COVID-19, with this injustice, this, the, the social distancing, if you will, that's been created among the body of Christ, 
Are our hearts burning? Do we have random moments where we're thinking about members of our body because we long to spend time with them, because we long to fellowship with them, because we long to uplift them? This is what community life looks like in the gospel. I have a, um, a son in the, in the NICU. And it's been a, a little bit of a roller coaster for my wife and I. We actually got, you know, some challenging news today. And it seems like every other week that's kind of like what, what takes place. But I can experience personally what that longing is like because every time I go to see my son, and I'm speaking for myself, I know it, it's, it's probably all the more difficult with my wife, the one who is producing milk for him, waking up every two to three hours. But for me, when I go and I see him, knowing that there is a separation that exists between my son and I. Knowing that I could leave and potentially not see him again. I can't help but feel a longing to be with him. I can't help but feel a longing to care for him. I can't help but feel a longing to bring him home. And hopefully in that example, you guys can, can begin to relate what should be manifesting within the hearts of God's children. This is a weighty matter. This is the difference between having a body, a church, of people where their needs aren't being met, and having a body, collectively, a church of people where their needs are being met in such an abundant way that they're going out and continuing that process. But we can't expect to send people out without building up the body in love first, without forming that foundation. I love the fact that I can recognize my humanity in these seasons, and I love the fact that it is not within my own strength that these things happen. But Christ already paved the way. It is very, very easy for me to read this word and reflect on what Christ did for me. It's easy for me to go back to my time of sickness, sick, um, sickness and, and wickedness where my sin was extremely evident. And then in that moment, Christ rescues me. And funny enough, it came in the form of community. How do I not respond in a way that I long and desire to care and love for those in my community, for those that thirst, for those that long for more, long to be re reunited with the Father, long to be known and to know the Father? Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for who you are and, the, and, and, and what you've already done. The magnitude of the way that you've loved us has already positioned us to be so abundantly filled that the only response should be to give. Lord, forgive us when we choose to live in a way that we have not received this saving grace as if we have not had an encounter with Christ, with His love. Lord, bring remembrance 
to our hearts. Bring a thirst for discipleship again in the body. For community with a gospel culture. Father, with all my imperfections, with all of my stumbling, I hope that this word rests on the hearts of your people, Father God, and, and whatever it is that your Holy Spirit desired to imprint on their hearts, um, that was done today, Father. We thank you, Lord, and we love you. In Jesus' name we pray.